Welcome to this bonus episode of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Kermit Dexter. And uh, it's a very exciting week in terms of the DCAU, because it's back. It's back, baby. It's back. We got an expansion. Yes. I mean, it's loosely back. I mean, I it's... think this one, even more so than Batman or Harley Quinn, feels like oh, it's, absolutely. it's definitely part of the DCAU. I mean, we are, of course, talking about Justice League versus the Fatal Five. Yes, we are. Uh, which had Apparently, its... we're very late on this bandwagon. <laughs> we, I mean, we're not, we're not late on it, per se. Like, we've talked about it, but... You and I rarely ever actually talk about the purview of this podcast, the DCAU. That's true. <laughs> We've been too busy talking everything else. Um, but no, I mean, the movie had its premiere uh, Friday at WonderCon. Yes. You and I were not able to go because you didn't go to WonderCon at all. It honestly, it felt weird. It felt very weird this weekend. I, I missed you down there. Definitely. I missed being down there. Yeah. I mean, I guess you and I could have gone like today being Sunday. Oh, I had kickball. You had kickball mm-hmm. and I had to sleep yeah i'll do that someday <laughs> someday uh, but you went how, how was your your 24 hours down at the con uh it was fun um i went down with my friends uh josh and dixon and uh it's it's always fun mm-hmm. going down there it definitely feels like comic-con light oh, absolutely um, I, I usually call it comic-con's little brother yeah and it it, it i think every year that convention is going to keep getting bigger and bigger mm-hmm. um like i suspect within a few years time getting tickets to WonderCon is going to be not on the same level as san diego but it's going to be high up there in terms of just the challenge of it like i think i'm not sure if it sold out last year on saturday but this year it did sell out on it saturday. sold out on all three days this year okay yeah, yeah it, so, it, it yeah. definitely felt busy it still didn't feel quite as insane as san diego um but like <laughs> parking was a nightmare well you chose the wrong lot yes i know we had, this discussion, we had this, we had this discussion already. People don't need to already. know the intricacies <laughs> of parking in Anaheim. Yeah, unless you're going to go to WonderCon next year, then, then message Park us. Park in Disney. No one cares. <laughs> no, no one does care. Just park at Disney. Yeah. And we could have. Like, one of the people I went with has it's an annual pass. It's literally across the street from the convention center. <laughs> I know. We ended up parking. It's closer <laughs> to the convention center than to Disneyland. This is true. We ended up parking all the way out at Anaheim Stadium, which, for those of you who don't know, is far. And then had to, like, catch a shuttle uh, in and out. And it was... So, logistically, it was a bit of a challenge, but it was fun um definitely saw some good cosplay which i tried to throw up on the uh the instagram there um only went to a couple panels like one was about uh basically not exclusively young adult but a lot of young adult like fantasy writers like uh my friend's friend was on the panel nice so we went to that and then of course i had to go to the uh the gay geeks panel Mm -hmm. that wrapped up the evening which is really good have you you been to the one at comic-con the the big comic-con i don't think i have okay I, I haven't, I didn't go last year, and I feel like the year before I only went on Sunday. I gave someone else my pass. That's right, yeah, because it's usually Saturday night. Yeah. And they have like a whole mixer, but it's like a two hour thing. I really should go to stuff like that because mm-hmm. it's like, it's good to meet people. It's a good opportunity to like network. It's probably better than Grinder. What's the weirdest or most interesting panel you've ever been to? You can tell we don't have news because we're padding this we're out. Padding this out. I, I don't I don't know. Like I, I've definitely been to some boring panels that I don't care about, usually because someone else wants to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked about it before. John Barrowman is always That's a, a great one. Like he he's he's just weird in the most alive <laughs> way possible. So like I think just whatever he's doing on stage might be pretty high up there. Yeah. Um definitely those if you can get someone who can captivate an entire con room with while wearing by a themselves. TARDIS 
uh, yeah, with a, t- uh, uh, like ballerina tiara, not a tiara, um, whatever. Yeah, tutu, a tutu. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, but it's like a Tardis tutu. Uh, like I've been to Kevin Smith's panel, Joss Whedon's panel, and John Barrowman, and they can all just like hold the floor just mm-hmm. themselves, and it's always pretty entertaining. Um, not particularly weird though. I don't know what's like the weirdest one you've been to. My first con, uh, I was thirteen. And I remember uh, I went to a Simpsons collectors panel. Oh, dear God. Uh, yeah. Because, I, I mean, I was a huge, I mean, I'm still a decent fan, but I was a huge fan uh, growing up. Yeah. So I had, I had a shrine in my bedroom to the Simpsons. Of and course so I, you did. Yeah. So I went to this panel and it was all, you know, I'm this 13-year-old kid. It was all like 45-plus-year-old men. Yeah. Uh, and you. And me. And I walk in and they, it's, it's one of the small, it's one of the smallest rooms and they're all, they all know each other. They're just hanging out. It's not really a panel. It's more of just a hangout. Okay. Uh, and so I walk in, and they're like, you're not a Simpsons fan. I'm like, no, I, I am. Those assholes. Well, I mean, it was, it was fun. They, they gave me Simpsons trivia, which I did fairly well at. Okay. Uh, so we were just talking about our favorite Simpsons stuff. And the weird part was um, the woman who ran Comic-Con at the time mm-hmm. uh, busted into the room, slammed the door shut, and like fell, you know, with her back on the wall, just like slid down and just pure panic of like, what is going on? What? And she's like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Like I can't, <laughs> she quit the next year. What, like, did she choose that room because she was friends with people in there or did she yeah, just pick she, a random? She knew the guy who was running the panel. Okay. It wasn't like she just picked some random room to have a full on. Like, no, she like a mental full on meltdown. Oh my God. Uh, and she was, cause this is the first, you know, it was my first con, but it was cool to see kind of behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, it's an inside scoop here. Yeah. Uh, and she, I don't remember the number anymore, but she told me like how many people she had ejected from the con for having fake badges already. Oh my God. Uh, and this was like Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> and th- I mean, this would have been 2008 was my so, first yeah, con. I mean, that's crazy to think that back then they had that many counterfeit badges. Also mm-hmm. probably easier to counterfeit badges. Than oh anything. yeah. I mean, that was the last year it didn't sell out. Uh... Yeah, because I think I, my first year was 2009, and Saturday sold out. But mm-hmm. like, and maybe by the time I got, went there, the rest had sold out. But I was able to buy tickets like a month in advance. Do you, rem- do you remember walking up to the convention center and seeing you could buy tickets at the door? Yes, because oh that's, man, that's what I did the first year that I went. I didn't have a um, ticket for Saturday, and I was staying with my friends who were going to school in San Diego at the time. So on Saturday, I just drove down to the convention walked into the the open part of it and bought tickets for the following year. And that was the last yeah. year you could do that. Cause the mm-hmm. next year was the first year they did the, the weird, like selected timed on site thing. Yep. And then eventually they completely did rid of on, got rid of on site. It just, it just days. went, went downhill from there. Mm-hmm. Like don't be wrong. I would be going this year if I were able to get tickets, but like it's gotten that bad. I both buys. I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I both buys with multiple accounts. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I mean, I don't have multiple accounts. That's not, no, 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 no. It's not illegal or anything. Um, but yeah, WonderCon was was a lot of fun. I think next year I want to try and make, like, eventize it a little bit more. Like, head down on Friday. Yeah, yeah. Have a hotel, stay all day Saturday, and, like, hang out for a bit on Sunday. Um, but no, it was it was really, really fun. The Gay Geeks panel was great. Good. It's all, it's all my people. Um, my friend Chris Riley, who does the male cosplay pinups, I think I've shown you his stuff before. I think so. He was on the panel there. He's, he's often on a panel there, and he's a total sweetheart. Nice. Uh, um, our, our friend of the podcast, Matt Acevedo, had a panel as well. He did? He did. Oh, yeah, man. Hyper Hyper's getting pretty big. They, yeah. they usually have a panel. Oh, get on him. Yeah. Oh, something we'll probably never achieve in our life. Hey, you know, it's it's on my it's on my bucket list to be a part of a panel. It is on mine as well. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to keep doing a mediocre job on this 
until eventually someone feels sorry for us and yes, lets us exactly. do a panel. Um, but I guess there was a little bit of news coming out of WonderCon. It's never like San Diego where tons of stuff drops. Right. Um, I have a few things here. Oh, please uh, share. So in terms of the DC Universe app, there was definitely some stuff coming out of there. Uh, we got release dates for Swamp Thing, which is going to be premiering on May 31st. And then Young Justice... Oh, so that's the next one. Okay. That's the next one, yeah. And then Outsiders come back July 2nd. But these are still like pretty close. Yeah, no, they're, they're very good about just like one after another. So usually there's a week off bet- between when one and the next one starts. Yeah. Uh, at least that's how it's been with Titans, Young Justice, and Doom Patrol. Yeah. And then we, we got a first look at Stargirl from her show. We did. Looks great. Um, and then I think I think at the Young Justice panel, which I did not attend, obviously, they screened episode 14 of this season. Oh. Yeah. I, I don't want to know anything about it, Tara. obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's WonderCon is fun because I think you can actually get to this sort of stuff. Um, obviously... Like we said, Batman versus or Batman Justice League versus the Fatal Five had its premiere on Friday, with a with a big panel of like everyone reuniting, and then Batman versus TMNT. Yeah, premiering it today. Saturday. I think it's premiering today. Oh, doesn't okay. matter. Whatever. I'm still very excited for that. Super excited for that. Yeah. Um, so no, that should be pretty good. And then uh, oh, and oh. also with the with the movie, I don't know if you had time to watch this. We got uh, a nine minute sneak peek into Hush. I did watch that today after I finished watching uh, Fatal Five. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I guess I'm glad I watched that because I'm mentally preparing for it to be very different than oh yeah the comic, um, which there uh, it's a very challenging thing adapting anything for any medium. Um, doing it super super faithful wouldn't necessarily be the best approach. Changing a lot of it, we'll see what they do with that. Because as we've discussed, it's definitely set in the New 52 verse with that voice cast, which I generally tend to find is a little flat mm-hmm. by comparison. And the animation style is just a little bit boring. Um, and because it's set in the New 52 verse, they've definitely changed some things. So it's Damien rather than Tim Drake, which honestly doesn't make that much of a difference. Looks like it's now Bane instead of Killer Croc. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple sequences in there that I know I don't think were in there originally. I'm not quite sure. Um, I don't know. What'd you yeah. think watching it? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I, yeah. I, I know I read it, but I just have like flash flashes of memory of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from what I remember it was, it, it looks fine. Yeah. I mean that, I guess for me, that is one of my all time favorite Batman stories. I think it falls behind only the long Halloween in terms of my favorite Batman okay. runs. So, I hold it in very, very high esteem. So I think anything they were going to do was pretty much shy of doing a like a unique art style adaptation that was trying to mimic Jim Lee with the all star cast of like the DCAU with Kevin Conroy and George Newbern and everyone in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think shy of doing that, it was always going to be a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, but it might be good. Yeah, we don't know yet. Yeah, we have what, May until it comes out, May thirtieth, something like something that. Like that. Yeah. we we always hope for the best. Exactly, always. So then always. we can get our souls crushed, yes. as always. Yes, that's the best part of optimism is disappointment. Uh, I have one piece of news. Oh, and, and you do? A bit of, and like kind of a news slash early note from friends. Okay. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and make this as frequent as possible because it makes me so happy to talk about. Okay. So I'm still, still uh, uh, testing out some, some titles, but I'm going to call it, for now, the Hanna-Barbera News Blast. Okay. The, the Barbera News, the, H- the HB News Blast. Cause I'm so excited. 
I'm, I, know, I can't I believe this are. is a thing. Um, so it was announced this week that... What uh, about Hannah Blab Blab Blara? Blab... Hannah Barbera? No, I was trying to play oh, off Blab. Blab. Yeah. I don't like that. Hannah Blab Barra? No, it's too hard. Uh, it was announced... I couldn't even make the joke. It's so hard to say. Yeah. Fine. Yes. Uh, it was announced this week that uh, Captain Caveman will make an appearance in the Scoob movie. Mm-hmm. And rumored... <laughs> Scoob. Our favorite boy... <laughs> Dick Dastardly might be <gasps> the, the like the override the the orbi- Thanos. Yeah. Oh my God. This would bring me so much joy, wouldn't it? Because uh, I love me some Dick Dastardly and that fantastic mustache. Mm-hmm. Uh, I especially love his dog Muttley. Yes. Because uh, that's how my dad laughs. Really? Yeah. Like if he's like really tickled by something, he'll do a Muttley laugh, and my mom has always called him out on it. It's like oh, he's doing his Muttley laugh again. So that's just amazing. Soft spot for Muttley. Uh, so front of the podcast, Maddie and I had a, a very brief conversation about what we think is going to happen in the universe. And also, uh, his question was, let me find the note again. Um, why are they not starting with one of their superheroes since it's so hot right now? I mean, I guess this helps them further differentiate themselves, right? Yeah. But I think also their biggest superheroes would have been Space Ghost and Harvey Birdman, both of which have had <clears throat> such a drastic mm. character change over the past 10 years. That's true. It's hard to re and you know, it's still not really top of mind, but the hardcore audience that they would kind of want to bring in has those like, as their main ideas of the characters. Yeah, those meta versions now sort of take pop culture dominance over the original, more serious, straight-laced versions. Yeah. So I think they're going to have to establish the universe first Yeah. with Scoob, with Jabberjaw, with uh, Cap Caveman, etc. Mm-hmm. Now, now I'm trying to remember, the Wacky Racers, was that already comprised of different cartoons together? Was it its already its own little mini universe, or were there all original characters in Wacky Racers? Um mainly it was original racers and every now and then it would just be like a background character. You'd, you'd see like Fred Flintstone in the background, just okay. like part of the race. Okay. Mm-hmm. But mostly it was, it was uh, a contained cast. Okay. Cause I know we've had Flintstones Jetsons crossovers before. Yes. There's also that fantastic fan theory out there that they're set in the same universe. Like mm-hmm. they're set in the same timeline even. Yeah. And that the earth on the ground is like gone back to prehistoric age and up in, the clouds at the suggestions was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But has the Hanna-Barbera verse crossed over before this? In comics, yes. Okay. So Future Quest is um, all of the Hanna-Barbera characters coming together, mm-hmm. uh, mainly through the point of view of Johnny Quest. <gasps> oh, good old yeah. John. Oh, good old Johnny Which is another Quest. one I'm very excited for them to hopefully bring out or yeah. bring back. So I don't know if you saw this, but Paul Hill... One of his um, like weekly sketches he did was characters from Johnny Quest, so it was Johnny oh. and Haji, and he did it from. They looked kind of the original style, but he referenced the uh, like the Johnny Quest Adventures okay cartoon from the early '90s. Did you mm-hmm. ever watch that? Uh, I probably did. I just don't have memory of it. Okay, because I remember it having two completely different art styles, mm-hmm. and I guess what happened there was like basically two different studios each produced half the episodes, and they mashed them together. So there's one that's like traditional 2D animation and one that's like really bad, like reboot style, early 90s 3D animation. Mm-hmm. And they created this thing called like the Questverse inside of the normal Johnny Quest world where they go on these like weird adventures. That's why they have these two very distinct art styles. Okay. But I remember having some of the toys and like some of them were 
like really super hyper techno because they were set inside the quest first and some of it was normal. Mm-hmm. They're awesome toys. By That's the way. awesome. Oh god, I, I, I remember loving that show, but I, I don't so really know good. much about it. So is the, is there any uh, like? Oh, and then then we were joking that um that we should that Josh Brolin should continue to be like the overarching villain. Oh my god, and he should voice Dick Dastardly. Yes, but not even just that. Whenever they introduce him in Scoob, use the exact same scene from Avengers. Just like put a mustache and a hat on Thanos. Yes. Oh wait. Oh, okay. Wait. Do you have any more to say about the Hanna Barbera first? Oh, I was just gonna ask you uh, which Hanna Barbera character are you most excited? Would you want to join this? Uh. Can you do a quick rundown of the different ones again? Oh god, there's so many. So there's okay. There's Flintstones, Jetsons, Scooby Doo, Wacky Racers. Um, Johnny Quest is in there, mm-hmm. right? Do are Josie and the Pussycats? They are. Um, so I always remember watching Josie and the Pussycats in space. Josie and the Pussycats. Um, Josie. I like obviously uh, Yogi I, Bear, Jetsons, Wacky Racers, Scooby Doo, the Smurfs. I didn't realize the Smurfs was. Uh, oh yeah, I didn't know that. List of Hanna Barbera productions. Okay, I mean, television series. Uh, Huckleberry Hound, Quick oh. Draw. McGr- oh, Quick Draw. Top oh, quick, oh, I think Quick Draw. Also, uh, um, Hong Kong Fooey. Yes, good. That's what I was waiting for. It was Underdog, Hannah Barbera? Underdog. Yeah, it was. Oh, I loved Underdog. Uh, and then uh, who was the uh, Elk Bong? I loved Elk Bong. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, basically, there's just too many. Yeah, McGill Gorilla, uh, Adamant, and Secret Squirrel. Mm-hmm. I, I think they could definitely bring in pretty early. Yeah. Uh, Space Ghost and Dino. Oh, um, fucking Dino Mutt. Dino Mutt? Yeah. Yes. And, uh, and what was what was the... The Blue Falcon? Yeah, Blue Falcon and Dynamite. I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So many. Yeah, because that was the, um, in the 80s, they had, uh, early 80s, it was back-to-back, uh, like, the Scooby Hour. So oh, it was, okay. So it was an episode of Scooby-Doo and then an episode of Dynamite. So good. I know. I mean, there's so many. I think, for me personally, if they ever do a modern version of Josie and the Pussycats in space, I'll be super thrilled, because mm-hmm. that show is asinine, and I loved it as a kid. God, there's so many good shows here. Uh, oh, wow, Wacky Racers was a lot earlier than I thought it was. When, when was it? 68 to 70. Oh, wow, yeah, that is early. Yeah, I definitely thought that was an 80s show. Pebbles and Bam Bam, uh, Funky Phantom. They were so good with the alliteration. So, can yeah, I... Yeah, there it is, Josie and the Pussycats in Space, 1972. Can I, can I draw you out of the Hanna-Barbera chat real quick? No. To, to talk about our... our <laughs> Our second favorite love, still somehow in front of the DCAU, which is, of course, the MCU. Sure. What do we want to talk about? So, uh, I want to talk about a couple things. One is, I want to talk about the fan theory that they're going to defeat Thanos by having him yes! crawl up his oh ass. Oh, my God, yes. Expand. That is one of the greatest things I saw this week. So, And then the Russo brothers yes! uh, changed their Instagram photo to be Ant-Man inside Thanos' ass. Well, so specifically what it is, it's a Venn diagram, and the, the left circle says Thanos' left butt cheek, the right circle says Thanos' right butt cheek, and the middle shared space is just a really shrunken down picture of Ant-Man. It's so good. <laughs> like... It's so funny. There have been so many amazing memes spawned out of it. Uh, I mean, I would love if that was actually going to happen. It's not. No, absolutely not. It's just fun to think about that idea. Mm -hmm. It's fucking hilarious. Um, So there's just one, that amusing little thing. But two, you know, there's talk about one of the next upcoming projects is going to be the Eternals, which I don't really know much about. I know nothing about them. Um, But the kind of two rumors that are floating around right now one is that angelina jolie is in talks to star in it as i want to say cersei mm-hmm. 
Get out of as uh, Bride of Frankenstein. Yes. Oh my, that's right. She was gonna be. The, she was oh, gonna be Bride of Frankenstein. The dark, the dark universe. universe. The oh, that's the that's the other meme that I've been loving this week. Is the uh, oh, event, the fallen, Avenged the fallen, so and people many just putting ones. it in front of other franchises <laughs> like the dark universe. Yeah. <laughs> I saw one too for the the actors been recast like Terrence Howard, yes, yeah, Edward yeah. Norton. Mm-hmm. It's so good, but I, I I don't know much about the Eternals, but. You know, I mean, I think she's fantastic. It'd be cool to see her in something big like that again. Uh, and then, yeah, I haven't seen her in stuff in a while. I mean, she 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 was directing for a bit, mm-hmm. and then she really hasn't done. She directed um, a foreign language film. I want to say it's a Thai film, a Thai or Indonesian okay film, and then um, obviously she's doing Maleficent too. Yep, which is coming out this year, I think, even which is crazy. Uh, no, it's not this year. Oh, I thought they so moved it, must it be up. Next year. Well, it doesn't matter. It's coming yeah. out soon. Because like, I, like, I just looked at the, at the Disney slate this year, and I don't okay, it's not on there. there. Um, but it'd be fun to see her in that. And then the other thing they're talking about is that uh, the character of Hercules, not your beloved version from Disney, oh. but just a different version of Hercules. But, but what about Danny DeVito? What about Phil? They what should cast Phil Danny DeVito as Hercules. Yes, in the MCU, they should. That is a, an actor who I find slightly astounding has yet to be cast in the MCU. Well, he's so, so specific. But you, you he's, he's our decades Gilbert Gottfried. But yes, but you feel like they could find a voice role for him at a minimum somewhere. Mm-hmm. Or even just like a, like even a like D-level character just like popping up for a scene somewhere because mm-hmm. they'll use amazing actors for like one-off moments in this series. Yeah. I would love for one of them to be Danny DeVito if, if they do a Deadpool 3, I bet he would be in it. I think so, so yeah. Just for he, he would be perfect in and there. And I think, I think the other problem is he just doesn't care at all. Uh, can we please get... Fans care so much more than he does. Let's have him uh, be cast as Professor X in Deadpool 3. Oh my 3. God. Because there was um, a uh, there was a um, an insider thing that came out a few weeks ago about there was the joke of Danny DeVito voicing Pikachu and Detective Pikachu. I think that was there's rumors that was the original plan. Yes, so that doesn't that was he a voice thing. him was, in the video game? He might. I, I don't like think he so. voices him somewhere else. I don't know, but that was the rumor. Because in in, I know in the Japanese version of the game, it's Ken Watanabe voices oh, Pikachu, which is so good. I love Ken Watanabe. Yeah, so much. Uh, so. Um, there was audio found of Danny DeVito coming in for the screen test of Pikachu. Uh, and he just had no idea like what the character was. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's, it's wonderful. But him not knowing that character and just winging it is still going to be better than pretty much anyone else on the planet. Yeah. Doing it sincerely. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what I wanted to say about Hercules, uh, what's exciting for me at least is it looks like that they're going to, portray Hercules as gay in the Eternals and they're looking for an out gay actor to do oh, it, nice. which is awesome. Um, which I think one, yes, do it. That's fantastic. But it'll be interesting to see who they end up casting, right? Because I, I don't know if we ever talked about this on air, but you and I have talked about it before that there are no a list out movie stars, male movie stars. Oh, I don't, I don't think we've talked about this before. Yeah, like there are there are plenty of people who are not out. I won't out them on this podcast. Um, <laughs> who's gonna believe me anyway? Yeah. Um, but there are, you know, there's like kind of like I'd say like B level, like Luke Evans, for example. Mm-hmm. 
Always been out. Love Luke Evans, but I wouldn't call him an A-list actor necessarily. Um, you get guys I think like... he'd be a good Hercules. I think he would be a great Hercules. I love him. I think mm-hmm. he's just super To go from Gaston to Hercules would be amazing. Oh, I mean, it's perfect casting, yeah. isn't it? Because there's him, you know, you get like TV actors, so Neil Patrick Harris, obviously, Matt Bomer. So you could like, anytime they talk about God, casting Matt an Bomer. out gay actor, pretty span it, of the planet. It's still so funny to me that they have one of the most beautiful men in the world in Doom Patrol. In bandages. And one bandaged 95% of the time, mm-hmm. and the other 5%, they just have the ugliest prosthetics on him because I love he's it. a burn victim. Yeah. And so his whole face is half melted. Well, he's more than just a pretty face and an amazing body. <laughs> also burned. <laughs> <laughs> he's more than just a really maimed face and body. Yeah. No, I think he's a great actor. It's too. so funny to me. He's he's very very charming. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't I don't see it being either of them. Maybe it'll be like relative unknown. Um, it, I'm not. I'm just very curious who they're going to cast. Like it would make sense that they would go for like a really well known like female lead if they're going to go for a lesser known male lead um, mm-hmm. because they frankly kind of have to because uh, as sad as this is right now it's a relatively small pool to draw from in terms of like name brand or near name brand out gay male actors. But if this is all true, I'm super excited about it, obviously. Yeah. One for the team. Could you imagine Neil Patrick Harris in the MCU? I'd love it so much. Again, I think I could see him popping up in like one of those like casual supporting moments, you know, kind of like, like they have like fucking Stanley Tucci as Dr. Erskine in the first Captain America. Yeah. Like Tommy Lee Jones. Like if you actually go through that franchise series, like movie by movie, which I more or less have been doing, the number of incredible actors that are in there for like mere minutes is astounding. Well, I think the rumor is not rumor. The, the fan request has always been Neil Patrick as the Riddler, which I still think would be pretty good. Yeah. I, Oh, there was some other actor recently that I saw one to play the Riddler. I thought that was a genius casting choice. And I'm totally blanking on who it was. This is a great piece of news. Isn't um, it? I'll try and look it up again. Um, but no, I mean, obviously, love the MCU. Love what they're going to do with it. Also, worth mentioning, we are going to do a revisit on Captain Marvel. I still have not had a chance to see it again yet. Oh, that's right. Because yeah, I have yeah. been unbearably busy. Shit, I just deleted all my notes. I forgot we hadn't done that you yet. You idiot! <laughs> I, I remember most Because, of we, we, you know, we've gotten... Uh, messages from maddie from ashley clark from other people that like you know with their thoughts on it so we definitely do want to do a revisit um but it'll probably have to wait till maybe next week so i can actually get in there and go see it again mm-hmm. um but now that we've done some nice news coverage should we get into uh, our topic of the day sorry about fatal five just levers the fatal five um this is good this is astounding this is great it's, it's great i i mean it's been a while i'm gonna say this is the best one we've had since flashpoint Oh, in terms of the the director DVD or the mm-hmm. those movies, I I think it's better than Flash. I didn't really love Flashpoint. I love Flashpoint. I really I don't think there's anything in the new 52 verse that I love. Okay, um, but this is certainly one of the best we've had in a long time. Mm-hmm. Certainly the best revisit we've had to this universe. I mean, at some point we'll talk about Batman versus and Harley Quinn again, which I had fun with, but I can see where a lot of the criticism comes from. Um, this to me felt like the best we could have gotten in terms of a revisit to that world for it to feel authentic to that world, to still maintain the characters, 
to have a lot of like nice nods and references and kind of celebrate that universe while mm-hmm. also definitely pushing it in a new direction and bringing in new characters. What I love about this, because we talk about this constantly, that Young Justice is great because it got to build off of Justice yeah. League. With this movie, I think they did such a good job because they saw what was so good about Young Justice mm-hmm. and people dealing with mental problems. Cause that's, that's like a real big stuff. Part of, yeah. yeah. That's a big part of this movie is Jessica Cruz, who was probably, I'd say the main character. Yeah. Um, she's dealing with both PTSD and high anxiety, like crippling anxiety. Yeah. Uh, and how do you do that as a, you know, as someone who's fearful of everything, mm-hmm. how are you a green lantern? And yeah. That, and that's kind of her, her question is she doesn't feel worthy of the ring. Yeah. It, it's clever how they, made this not an origin story, mm-hmm. but it, in some ways it is that like that trope of how does she really become the Green Lantern? Like she's already a Green Lantern, but at the end of it, she really feels that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought that they did a great job visualizing that, but only at the very end do they give her her distinctive yeah, uh, emblem over the eye, which yeah. looks so good. I know. I, I was really impressed by her characterization mm-hmm. in this. And they, they basically skip her origin um, more or less. Like they, they, have that flashback sequence to when she's oh well, spoilers obviously oh yeah we're, spoilers we're, we're going full tilt on this so we have that flashback sequence to her out for a hike with her friends and they come across the guy like the murderer burying yeah, a body a mobster and um, like it's that scene is so dark yeah like we don't see it happen but her friends get shot right we see like, one of them get shot uh i think it cuts both like we see the gun right up against his head and then it cuts on okay, her face okay, and it's yeah. on her face. We hear the gunshots and see her reaction, but like two people get shot like cold blooded assassination style right next to her. Mm-hmm. And she runs away from this guy. And it, that sequence ends with her basically being forced off the edge of a ravine. We don't see what happens after that. Mm-hmm. So I thought they were maybe going to revisit it and explain that in that moment was when she got the ring. Cause we never get an explanation of when she gets the ring or, if it's not then how she survives it. Right. Not necessarily critical information, but I thought it was interesting they didn't include it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, with, with Green Lantern rings, I was very curious because usually it's, there's only a set number of rings. Yeah. You know, until you get to the, like, Kyle Ranner. It's like, oh, no, he is, you know, he is the power batter. He doesn't need a ring. And I'm like, fuck you. Like, I love Kyle Ranner, but fuck you. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's, <laughs> this this stuff gets super convoluted. I even looked up her comic book origin, and I could barely. Follow. I loved it. Oh, you don't you don't get it with I, the. Um, I mean, I more or less get it. Can you, can you explain it to me? So the crime syndicate Please, is Cameron the, spin us a yarn. Yes, because uh, it's based off of uh, one of my favorite animated movies. Not man, obviously comic first, uh, but Crisis of Two Earths. Right. Uh, yes. Earth Three oh, has the negative Justice League, the crime syndicate. Yes. Uh, where they have a. The green, their version of Green Lantern is, I think it's just name is Power Ring. Yes. Um, so. And that ring operates off fear rather than courage. Uh, That's what I read on Wikipedia at least today when I was doing my dig. Okay. Which threw me off because I know the Sinestro Core rings, the yellow ring also runs off fear. So that's why yes. I got a little bit confused. And so Sinestro killed Power Ring, but in a last ditch effort, he trapped the ring to Jessica. Um. And it took over her, it took her, it took control of her. And, and, uh, thrived off of her fear of everything as we see in this movie of like that same camping trip happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. So after a while of, of being, you know, 
under under control of this ring. Uh, Wonder Woman and GL, uh, uh, Hal Jordan come, mm-hmm. teach her how to control it. Uh, and then in a dark side story that I don't remember anymore, um, the ring is broken. And in return, she gets a Green Lantern ring. Yes. So she's the only one. So she can still control the monsters that, you know, kind of the, the monster's power of power ring, mm-hmm. but also has power of the Green Lantern Green ring. Lantern, yeah. Yeah. I, I think she's a fantastic character. She's awesome. I was, I didn't know a lot about her before this. Same. So yeah. It was, it was, it was really cool to research her. Yeah. I did a bit of a dig on her too. And like, it seems like the version they have in this movie is pretty accurate. Like mm-hmm. she's Mexican American. She lives in Portland. Um, at least in the comics, not in this movie, she's modeled after Penelope Cruz, which is fantastic. I love Penelope Cruz. Um, yeah. And like in the comics too, she had like the, the camping trip, the trauma and yeah, she eventually becomes Green Lantern. And I, I just, I loved that she was put in that position of kind of being forced into being a Green Lantern. Again, we don't know how, but Mm -hmm. she just has a responsibility and she knows enough that she has to follow through. And there's even a great moment of Wonder Woman being like, Hey, we need you. Like you are a hero you need to be a hero. Yeah. We need your help. Which is a great contrast of Starboy, who we haven't even started talking about yet. Starboy is also fantastic. Uh, who is in the opposite position of he is constantly reminding himself, like, I can do this. Yeah. I know my mind's not all there, but I, I do remember I am a hero. Because yeah, he Through has... Through all else, whatever whatever's happening, I am still a hero. He's a superhero, yeah. Because he has uh, schizophrenia. Mm-hmm which he keeps in check with a, a medication in the future, which doesn't exist, obviously, when he travels back to the past, because he is from the Legion of Superheroes. Yes. This, this movie takes place in the present, but it's about future characters. We yes. haven't talked about that yet. Yes. Kind of jump straight into the, the yeah. non-future characters. Yes. I mean, the, the general plot is that uh, three members of the Fatal Five travel from the 31st century to the quote-unquote modern day mm-hmm. um, for reasons we eventually learn and Starboy goes after them. And when he gets there, he no longer has his medication to keep his schizophrenia in check. So he immediately gets taken away to Arkham and is there for 10 months. Which I, I love his story in Arkham. I do too. Cause yeah. they, they painted as such a nice place. They do. Like it, it's definitely not the really Gothic place we visited in BTOS. And I know in uh, justice league, we see the, um, the Justice Lords version of it, mm-hmm. which I feel like this maybe hues a little bit closer to. It feels much more like a modern facility, like it's been redone. Well, I mean, it is because because my note on that was like it is still a correctional facility. Yeah. So it makes sense that they they don't just torture their patients. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like they, they are generally trying to rehabilitate them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that he befriends Two Face. Yeah. Did you see who voiced Two Face? I did not. It's Bruce Tim. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, exactly. So cause I recognize immediately that it wasn't the um the original voice whose name is is not coming to me in the mm-hmm. moment. Um usually my guess at this point is Michael Rosenbaum. That's true. He does everything, yeah, doesn't no. he? Yeah. But we see him in there. Uh obviously Batman has a brief tussle with Harley and Poison Ivy, which mm-hmm. I, I obviously a reference to the other film, but I guess is that also their way of trying to further cement that in canon? I know this is something that Maddie was talking about on Twitter. I know for you, do you think that their inclusion in this was meant as a way to clarify that that other film is definitely considered canon? Um, I didn't think that far through Mm -hmm. because they didn't make any appearance in Justice League, did they? Batman and Harley or Harley Harley and and Poison Ivy? Um, No, I don't believe because Joker didn't either. 
Well, Joker made an appearance in Justice League. He was okay. part of the Injustice. He was. You're right. You're right. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the Injustice Guild, the Justice League gang, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he had his own episode, Wild Card, which That's was right. when he unveils the original iteration of the Royal Flush Gang. Mm-hmm. Continuity be damned. Um, and I feel like I don't know if he ever appeared in JLU. Maybe he did. Okay. Because what I my my just random guess is like they found these character models on the cutting room floor. Like, they just did it. Yeah, like, yeah, let's just throw them in there. Like, people like these two. Yeah. I mean, and they're so iconic together. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always nice to see them when they're fighting together. I guess for me, I've, I always consider that part of canon as well. Um, and this feels very canonical. So mm-hmm. let's just say it is. Yeah. Let's just say it is. I mean, there's definitely bad episodes of BTOS. We can have like a mediocre Batman Harley Quinn film also be considered yeah. canon. So, uh, and, then, and then it's mentioned that Joker is in there. Yes, yeah. I don't, I don't think we see him. No, because Starboy just talks about how he liked to uh, play, play, play bingo with the Joker. Yeah, like, he's like a lot of people were scared of the Joker. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, he's fine. I kind of liked him. Yeah. But no, I, I love Starboy being in there. I was surprised he was in there for so long. He's in there for 10 months. Mm-hmm. I guess, it, to me, they didn't convey very effectively that so much time had passed. Yeah. From when that thing first arrives, when the, the spaceship first arrives or the time travel machine. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I love that moment when it shows up because they travel through and then the, the it's kind of Terminator-esque in the sense that it's like a perfect sphere. Mm-hmm. But the three members of the Fatal Five have been trapped inside of there by some trickery in the part of Brainiac 5? I think so. Brainiac 5. Um, so they're trapped inside of it. And when it's like hurling towards Earth, it's about ready to smash in this kid and Superman just catches it. But then he looks at the kid and goes, you okay, kid? Yeah. I, like, again, it's a, such a small moment, but it shows that these creatives really do understand Superman as a character mm-hmm. because he would have this impossible feat of strength. And in that moment, he's just making sure the little kid who was not injured at all, but just scared by this thing is okay. Yeah. And his even follow up to that as like, Hey, you know, like I know it's kind of scary, but next time sure to run. Mm-hmm. Even that he'd like, it's, he's, it doesn't feel like a lecture. He's just being such a nice he's guy. Being, yeah. He's being, he's being wonder boy. Superman can be nice. Yeah. No, him. not that was the big news this week. Zack Snyder oh. saying, fuck you. Everyone kills people. Yeah. That's fucking hilarious. It's not, I love that so much. I know. It's not it's not worth getting into. We're not going. We'll, we'll save yeah, that for some we'll, other we'll, rant. We'll, but that eventually was we're gonna, so funny. Eventually, we're going to properly cover BVS, and we can get into it then. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Batman, Superman, don't kill people. Anywho. Um, what else was going on there? So, uh, oh, I did think it was interesting. We get a little bit more context, like where the DCAU has progressed. Mm-hmm. So I think that's all new Watchtower. Like it's kind of a bit of Hall of Justice slash Watchtower, right? I don't think we've seen that before. Uh, I don't think so. Except I, it's been such a long time since I watched JLU. Obviously, they rebuild the Watchtower after Starcrossed. Mm-hmm. But I think they did have, did they have a Hall of Justice too? Or am I now just conflating it with Young Justice? I think you're conflating with Young Justice. Okay, so they never had a, a like a, a, a terrestrial base but now they do they have this like massive facility i presume in it is metropolis mm-hmm. so we see that like that's progressed a little bit um they acknowledge that both john stewart who's still a green lantern mm-hmm. and hawker are off world yep uh they don't mention jean at all but i think we see him amongst the statues when we we're, do i wrote down everyone i wrote down all the statues okay 
Um, uh, so I presume he's still retired then. Mm-hmm. But then we do get a bit more because the statues were interesting choices. Yeah, I'll go into those because like that gives us a bit more context of this world uh, too. So, yeah, so they go into Starboy. We're we're doing such a bad job keeping order of this, but it's whatever. Fine. It's more of just a general conversation, yeah. Cameron. Um, so they go into Starboy's Starboy's memory to try and piece together what he's trying, any bit of information they can get. Yeah. So they find the future Hall of Justice, uh, which has Aquaman, Flash, Black Canary, Hot Girl, The Atom. Uh, Martian Manhunter, Vixen, Green Arrow, Steel, Captain Adam, Miss Marvel, Zatanna, Batman, Superman, Huntress, Shazam, and Wonder Woman. You said Miss Miss Martian, not Miss Marvel. Sorry, Miss Martian. Yeah. yeah. That's what I meant. Um, did you say Steel? I did say Steel. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Green Lanterns get their own room. Get their own room. Because fuck everyone else. Green Lantern is the best. But this I also found very interesting. So, because you go into that room, it has Jon Stewart, obviously. Mm-hmm. It has Kyle Rayner. It does. Who is canonically a Green Lantern. Yep. Uh, had Guy Gardner, who up at this point had not been, and Hal Jordan, mm-hmm. also at this point had not and been. And Simon. Did, uh, was he there? There were five. Jessica so. Cruz. Mm-hmm. Hal. Yep. Guy. Yep. John. Oh, that, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, thought I, saw, I thought I saw a ball. I guess that was John. But there. what I did find interesting was a notable absence, which is, of course, Cairo, the Green Lantern of the Beyond timeline. Oh, well, maybe it was just, um, uh, like that era of heroes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess that does make sense. Cause it didn't have future. It didn't have Terry. It didn't have static. Mm-hmm. And even for, for lanterns it didn't have uh, Abin Sir either. Abin Sir either. Damn it. Yeah. Do we, oh, of course. Yeah. Cause he dies in, in Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, fine. Fine, yeah. they don't include him. I like Cairo. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just like if when you walk into like a, I'll do a sports metaphor because I haven't done one of those ever. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 are, don't I already either. don't understand. But continue. Uh, you know, it's it's like uh, walking in and just seeing a picture of you know like the like a single year of 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 a team. Like the twenty seven Yankees. Did you say twenty seven Yankees? Yeah, <laughs> all twenty seven of them. No, like the nineteen twenty seven Yankees. <laughs> Like, I, yes, I, yes. Pretty, I, I just rewatched Age of Ultron, and I'm pretty sure at the very end, Cap says, you know, it ain't the 27 Yankees. Okay. I think. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I know, it's just, it, it's kind of cool to see how this world has progressed a little bit. You mm-hmm. know, so like, uh, John, I think, is still retired, or Jean is still retired. Miss Martian's there. She's basically auditioning to become part of the league. I love her. I love her, and I love that she got paired up with Batman mm-hmm. because she's so quippy. She is very. She quippy. has some of the best lines. She has so many good lines, uh, you know. And then Batman, of course, isn't having it. But even when he points out that he doesn't train teenagers, she just turns into Robin. He's like, fair enough. Yeah. Fair my point. my favorite is when they first go into his into Starboy's mind, and they have a kind of intro room to the current members of the Legion of heroes yeah uh they're all teenagers um oh yeah and, and uh miss martian is like wow a whole a whole team of teenagers this must be your worst nightmare <laughs> <laughs> it's so true and like i don't know the legion of superheroes that well but like they seem to have everybody imaginable in there yeah it's, it's uh they're teenagers all of them it's like your worst nightmare <laughs> Because uh, we also see, when we're in the future part, we see Saturn Girl, obviously. Mm-hmm. She's a big part of that. Brainiac 5, uh, Chameleon Boy? Yes. Um, 
Those are the only ones that I know. Yeah, I don't know a lot of the other ones too. But so it's it's interesting because I was doing a little bit of research on the Fatal Five themselves. So in the comics, they are recruited by the Legion to help defeat the Sun Eater. Okay. And then the Fatal Five betray them and all turn to evil, basically. Now, all those characters that we see, including uh, like the Emerald Empress and like Mano, all of them, they were in the JLU episode where they go and meet the Legion. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the episode in a long time. I don't remember the plot. What, were they fighting the Sun Eater in that episode? In I, that? I don't remember. I'm going to look it up. Or We've been... Uh, I, feel, I feel bad for our listeners who clearly know these answers but we've you know we we both told ourselves that we're not going to rewatch future shows until we get to them until we get to them so it, it can be as genuine as possible and i think here's a great moment for us to steal once again from james bonding and say we are lovers not experts yes like we defer to the experts yes uh <laughs> there are probably better podcasts i know there are better podcasts with actual experts on that stuff. We just happen to love them. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, they go to the future. Brainiac 5, Bouncing Boy, Persuader, Emerald Empress. I think they're just fighting the Fatal Five. I don't see anything specifically about the... Sun Eater? The Sun Eater. Okay. Um, but... You so know, so let's, let's go over the five members real quick, because I only know the name of four of them. Okay, well, I, I wrote them all down and took notes. Okay. So we have uh, the Emerald Empress. Yes. Who is sometimes also known as Sarya or another version's Kara Kesh or Sarah Kesh. I think this is the Sarah Kesh version mm-hmm. because that's the version that appeared in the JLU. So if gotcha. we're going to assume continuity, that's who it is. She wields the Emerald Eye of Ekron, uh, which is least... very overpowered. It is very overpowered. And it seems like in the comics that was, I guess, originally part like the, the missing eye from a member of the Green Lantern Corps. Okay. But it was also apparently a really early version of the Green Lantern ring. So that in the comics, at least, it has a, a shares, if you will, like a common origin with the Green Lantern rings, mm-hmm. which kind of comes into play in the plot here. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on that later. I'm going to talk about motives after this. Okay, yeah. Because that's so, something I really want to So she's got on. this like, very powerful emerald eye. Her go-to move seems to be basically generating a green construct that stabs people through the chest. <laughs> So then there's hey, uh, effective. It's very quick effective. and easy. Yeah. Super effective. There's Mano who mm-hmm. has an antimatter touch. So basically anything he touches dissolves. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wears an environmental suit because he can't breathe other atmospheres. And in the comics, he, I guess like destroyed his own planet and he's a total a-hole there. Yeah. I, I can see that. Yeah. Very much so. There's the, uh, persuader who wields an atomic ax that can cut through anything, including intangible things. Like someone's air supply or gravity or maybe even air supply record. I don't know. Sure. Um, and in this, at least, it can cut through Superman, which is pretty intense. Yeah. And so, but not Wonder Woman's sword. Not her reason. sword or her bracelets. bracelets. I'm going to assume maybe it doesn't have power over magic. Probably. Because her those things are all magical. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Persuader was in the Smallville episode featuring the Legion of Heroes. Okay. So there's a Smallville episode that's very similar to the... Superman the animated series episode where the Legion comes from the in from the future to stop someone from causing mayhem, maybe even killing Superman. I remember this episode. I remember who getting the ring. Yeah, because Saturn Girl's in it. I think Lightning Lad is in it. Mm-hmm. And then the Persuader is the villain in it. Gotcha. Um, and then there's Tharok, 
who he's the the split down the middle guy. Mm -hmm. So his body was like vaporized by a nuclear blast, but on his planet, all life is considered sacred. So this guy who was like a criminal who set off a nuclear blast and killed half himself, they gift with a robotic other half to keep him going with with a multitude of weapons. Yeah, there's like, a, it's uh, like crazy, crazy powerful. This is this. I'm gonna do a, a deep cut for some people real quick, as I do. Um, there, do you remember a show called Evil Concarne? I vaguely recall it. Okay, so so uh, before it was Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, it was a show called Grim and Evil, where it was two shorts. So one was the story of Grim from Grim Adventures, mm -hmm. and one was the story of uh, Evil Concarne who was a uh, super villainous brain trapped inside the body of a dumb bear. <gasps> oh, this dumb... Yeah. I do vaguely recall this. Yeah. yeah. So Therok reminds me of his right-hand man. Uh, I think his name is, was Dr. Scar. It was some, something very simple. This also sounds like familiar. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know why, when I first saw his face, that was what I thought of first. Uh, but I just want, want you to know... That's a show that everyone should check out because it's very underrated. Uh, I, I've been like half listening to you. That's normal. Because, <laughs> um, because he reminded me. Are you done? Yeah, yeah I'm done. <laughs> you, you, it's your turn to talk. Okay, good. I do love that. It's my favorite thing. Did you ever watch uh, from the 80s Spider-Man and his amazing friends? I did not. So that's the one when it's Iceman and Firestar who are both mutants. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, So there was an episode. I don't know how I always saw it. I must have had it on VHS. But there's an episode where they go to the X-Mansion and, like, testing out the danger room. And the entire X-Mansion is taken over by, like, a former boyfriend of Firestar's who's, like, caught. He's, like, accidentally injured by her. And, like, half his body gets messed up. And he looks just like, what, Tharok or whatever. And I'm trying to look up who that character is. That's why I wasn't really paying attention. To okay, you. that's fine. Um, I gotta. This is. It's totally gonna bother me. Nathan Price. Si si Siberiad. Siber. Oh, I see it. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like split down the middle, half human, half cyborg. Same side is robotic as Therok. Like Therok. it threw me off. Therok. 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 Like they're a rock. They're rock. They rock. There is a rock. They're right rock. there. They're rock. It is it is not my rock. It is their rock. Thar rock. <laughs> it's over Thar. It's Thorak. <laughs> Thorak the destroyer. <laughs> um, I'll have to I'll have to like post it on Instagram. It's like uncanny. It's mm -hmm. really freaked me out actually. They look fucking identical. Um, um Oh, but then there was one other character that is not new to the dcau but this is the most time we got to spend with them is mr terrific yes who's awesome I also wasn't done with the fatal five hmm? i wasn't done with the fatal five. Oh, that's right we still have two more validus that's the one i didn't remember so i like i really like his design yeah he kinda, he's cool he, he kind of looks like ish like um orca a little bit like a mm -hmm. purple and gray version of orca and i've seen him pop up in I think in like my DC encyclopedia or whatever, he looks familiar, but he's just like in this containment suit, he's super strong and he can shoot energy bolts from his brain. But in tradition with all craziness in comics, one version of him is uh, one of the two identical twin children of lightning lad and Saturn girl, who is 
like kidnapped by dark side and like, uh, like, uh, operated on enhanced until he looks like that guy. Okay. I don't think that's what this version is. Interesting. That's really, okay. So I say that, I'm sorry. I know you hate when I talk about this, but my hero academia. Oh my God has a has a villain which is it's the same backstory and it's they have a similar look there's um characters called nomus in omu okay um that are super are are um kind of dead bodies given abilities of other heroes uh, and yeah, it's the same thing. Cool. It, it's heroes is kind of like oh, overly tortured. Okay, I'm looking yeah, at it yeah, right you, now. You yeah, he, it. He's got like an exposed brain with eyeballs in it and like big bird jaw. Yeah, yeah ignore the bird beak. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, there's a, yeah, there is some similarities there. I can totally mm-hmm. see that. Yeah, and I, I think yeah, it's a very similar backstory to that. But he was like, it's kind of uh, he's, heroes he's like overly tortured. Oh, okay, until mm-hmm. they become villains. Yeah. Um, but no. Anyways, you did want to talk about Mr. Terrific. I did. He's Who awesome. Is terrific. He is. He lives up to his namesake. Because uh, for people who watch Arrow, you've mm-hmm. been seeing Mr. Terrific for four seasons now. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And I have not been watching Arrow for the past four seasons. So no. I have not seen Mr. Terrific very much. Uh, so this was kind of my first time seeing him in action. Yeah, we haven't really seen him a lot. I feel like he was he in JLU. He was. He was. Yeah, he, but he was more in a role of like scientist. Oh, yeah. And he was like kind of more um, like... Uh, like an administrator at the yeah yeah he, he kind of ran the zeta too i think there's an episode because when i was doing my research on this i feel like there's an episode of jlu where he has to bring together a team of non-powered heroes like take on something i seem to recall like he had a, a sort of episode of his own okay but he's awesome yeah so he's supposed to be one of the smartest men on the planet i think i think he's either the smartest but like the third smartest in the mm-hmm. dcau but he's up there with Lex Luthor, and I think... Does he have technokinesis? No, I think that's just all electronics. Okay. I think it's just all gadgets. He's like those discs. His whole thing is he like throws those discs, and they yeah. can do all kinds of crazy because stuff. Because he... So what surprised me a lot about this is Gear, Richie, Richie, and, oh, yeah. um, and, and Static, uh, they're very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, where they're kind of science-made heroes. Uh, and a lot of the gadgets that... Mr. Terrific uses, I vaguely remember gear using yeah, in the later seasons. I think he uses something similar. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool to see. I'm like, oh, they're, you know. I, I was just really impressed in general with the new characters they brought in. Yeah, they were all so much fun. Yeah, I mean, because they have the Trinity, mm-hmm. and they give each of them definitely a moment. Like, they give them all really cool stuff to do. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, most of the cast is all new characters. We're talking Jessica Cruz, Miss Martian. Um, Mr. Terrific and Starboy. Mm-hmm. They kind of round out the rest of it. They're all really great. Yeah, and with, with the two of us being such big fans, I was worried that not having the rest of the league was going to feel, was going to make the movie feel like something was missing. Yeah. Because in, in the first five or ten minutes, they introduce all the characters again, mm-hmm. and I kept waiting for, like, Flash's introduction yeah. or Hawkgirl's introduction or, you know... Because you, you see, you know, you see Superman pop up, you see Batman pop up, you see Wonder Woman pop up. And I'm like, okay, who's next? Yeah. And then it's Jessica. And I'm like, oh, I don't know this person. Mm-hmm. And it was, they were such well-written characters that they had the presence of one of the other leaguers. And that's what yeah. was so cool about it. They were so great, you didn't feel like you were missing out on not having the rest. Mm-hmm. 
and you know, I, I definitely want to jump back and talk more about how the the two leads have mental like significant mental challenges to being heroes and i think what made that so special was they stand in stark contrast to the trinity Mm -hmm. who make this look so easy like again talk about superman's first moment of him catching that sphere he he's it's effortless for him in the same way that you know batman fighting anyone it feels effortless wonder woman like it can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with anybody as well they make it look so easy so to have heroes that have to kind of get out of their own way or to overcome their own just personal challenges to be heroic was just really well done and really emotional and it, it felt like an evolution of this universe too mm -hmm. yeah and again that's that's where i think having young justice really helped this is like you, yeah. you see everything growing on top of itself. Yeah. It's, it's fun now to, it, it, like you said, in the same way that we saw the DCAU influence young justice. Now young justice is paying it forward kind of, mm -hmm. and having influence on this and uh, to see those, that the little bit of that DNA come in here, I think elevated the storytelling. Yeah. And I think also just having Miss Martian there clearly that, helps with that connection. Yeah, that helps too. Cause yeah. like, I love Miss Martian and I, it's still the same. I, you know, it's the same kind of snarky jokes that young justice, Miss Martian would say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think being fans of young justice watching that they had to do less work with her because we were able to kind of bring along our, our perceptions of her and our love for her already into this. Yeah. But she, again, she's a great addition, mm -hmm. great paired with Batman. So, so with the comment you just said, um, this is clearly me overthinking per usual. Mm -hmm. um, do you think this is a metaphor for the struggle of millennials compared to Gen X? Uh, I had not thought of it, but I, I think there's definitely something there. Mm -hmm. um, that we're a generation where everyone's fucked up in one way or another. Well, I think we are, I think, well, so I think we are <laughs> fucked up and I think every generation in their own way is fucked up. We're just more vocal about We're it. We're more vocal about it, but I mean, I think, we wear it on our sleeves more. I think what happens is each subsequent generation um, is given the gift of self-awareness and freedom beyond the previous generation, mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, that was a, a big distinction point between Gen X and the boomers was sort of um, kind of greater, I don't mean political liberalism, but just liberalism in terms of being like more open and just kind of free with themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it was definitely, you look at like the boomer generation was mostly about doing, always doing something kind of like for somebody else in some ways. Like I always think of the boomer generation as a generation that worked an entire lifetime at a job they hated for the benefit of the generation that went after them in some ways. Okay. Like, whereas I don't feel that you don't feel that I don't feel that. How, how do you perceive the boomers? Um, I don't really want to stay on air. <laughs> okay. So like, okay, well, I guess we'll go with my theory then. Yeah, we'll go with you. But I, but I feel like then Gen X had this greater sense of like, well, no, I kind of want to do what I want to do with my own life and maybe being less willing to um, self-sacrifice in the name of kind of going with the flow or adhering to an established norm. And I think that the millennials are even a step further beyond that where, you know, we are, we were kind of encouraged to do what we wanted to do. And in some ways we're paying the price of that, but also because just 
everything, the cost of living and everything else is also now more expensive. Mm-hmm. But to your point, we are also more comfortable talking about things like anxiety, depression, mental illness. Like even a generation before us didn't want to talk about going to therapy. Yeah. And now like, I don't know anyone our age who doesn't just very openly talk about going to see a therapist. I've gone to therapists. I talk about that. I need to go back to a therapist. Like, we're much more well, comfortable with this. I think that is a bit skewed because that's very much an LA thing or a, a West Coast thing. Well, yeah. I mean, it doesn't help that we live in. Yes, we mm-hmm. live in LA. But I, I remember when I was in Kansas still, and one of my friends was not doing well mentally, mm-hmm. and she's like, "I'm just like, like dreading it so much of like." I'm going to have to see the therapist. Okay. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, go. I mean, as, as someone who's been in and out of therapy since I was fucking seven, Mm -hmm. it's so normal. Uh, Did it help? uh, Ask that question to yourself. Okay. (laughs) Did it? No comment. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I think there's definitely a stigma, but it's it's a lot more open. Well, and I, I think again, in LA, we're just a little bit, Progressive seems like everyone else isn't, but like we're, frankly, it's a little bit more progressive and like we're more willing to like talk about this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I think you yeah, everyone good... else is more is more like nationwide. <laughs> They're on your side. <laughs> See, I, I can make the dumb jokes too, Chris. I'm just not ready for them when you do them. I'm not prepared. <laughs> they throw me off. But no, I, I think there is something there. I, I think it's an acknowledgement that. It, it speaks to who's watching this now. Mm-hmm. What this movie is doing is saying that it's okay to have these things. It's okay to have anxiety. It, it, it's okay to have survivor's guilt. That is literally what Jessica has. Yeah. She has survivor's guilt about this horrible thing. And, I mean, without getting too far into it, I mean, that's in the news. Like, I don't know if you saw that one of the, mm-hmm. the Parkland students recently who survived killed themselves. And it's like it's a real thing. And so it's acknowledging that it's okay to have these things and that despite having these things and in some ways, maybe because of these things, you can do incredible things. You can be heroic. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that incredible moment. Let's, I mean, we can just jump forward to kind of what happens at the end there, but at the end, you know, Starboy sacrifices himself and he says that he's going to do it because he's a superhero. Yeah. And you know, he has doubts all the way through that he's, mental state will ever go back to being normal because the longer he's off his medication, the harder it is to come back. Mm -hmm. And he never goes back to behaving normal, if you will, quote unquote normal again. Like he still is a little bit incoherent and a little bit frazzled, but you can tell that he, in his own perception of things is clear headed. Yeah. In terms of what he wants to do. He's not good at conveying it. Um, that was a great emotional moment. Like I, I haven't, it was, it really, really was. DC has not been hitting me with emotional punches for a long time. This was a good one. Yeah, I, I found the the ending really emotionally affecting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because for until quick, the ending, ending, because then it's just like fuck you guys. Yeah, it's a little it's a little flippant. Let's talk about this for a quick second, because this bothers the fuck out of me in with time uh, time warp stories. Yeah, um, you have a time machine. Yes, you have multiple time machines. They come back for his funeral. I assume because, like, oh, we had to rebuild all the time machines. Yeah. What is stopping you from going back 24 extra fucking hours and helping them take out the Fatal Five to the point where you don't need to sacrifice Starboy? I'm trying to remember. And I get the whole, like, parallel dimension thing. When you go back, you create an alternate version of your reality so you can never truly change history. 
but still. Yeah, because I was remember, Fuck you. I was trying to remember how time travel works in the DCU. And I, I, I think Watchtower Database is actually doing a video or just did a video on this. But if I recall, in the first episode of The Legion, the Superman in the Animated Series episode, uh, that doesn't operate on a time loop principle. It It's an alternate dimension thing. Like They yeah. rewrite. Yeah. Well, like, same thing with um, Savage Time as well. Mm-hmm. History can get rewritten, not... It's not a loop thing. So it's not like they are always coming back in time. It's time progressed. They went back in time and started a new timeline. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yes, you're right. They probably could have come back and, and save him. Mm-hmm. Stop this all from happening. Yeah. So there, there's another universe where he did get saved by his friends. Well, and they went that back. That was just not this universe. Yeah, exactly. They went back further in time. They did save him. And in this version, they're like, well, we're going to not so that this universe can keep going or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So that leads me writer. to motive for a quick second. Yeah. Um, I think the villains were the weakest part of this movie. I loved, um, I loved the heroes so much, but the villains, their motive on the surface made sense. They wanted to get Emerald yeah, so Empress back. The, yeah, the three, the three of them, so what, Therok, Mona... Uh, Mona. M- M- Mona. Um, is it Mona? Mana. Mana. Mano. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, Thorax. Uh, Thorax, Mona, and... <laughs> Mona Lisa. <laughs> And the Persuader. And the Persuader. They go back to free the Emerald Empress because she was captured uh, in the future and they realized there was no place to contain her. Mm-hmm. Um, because at that point, the Green Lantern Corps is gone. Yes. So they go back in time to leave her in the prison facility on Oa in the modern day. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're eventually able to release her. And then she decides, em- Emerald Empress decides, well, if we destroy the sun of this time, then all of the villains we have faced our entire lifetime will be gone. Mm-hmm. Logic doesn't really hold up there. I think that was chosen because I'm assuming there's maybe a reference to the sun eater. Yeah. The original comics. Um, but I think you're fair. I don't know if the motivation is quite there. Yeah. Cause it's, uh, they never, I mean, yes, they were threatening, but kind of jumping back to the, the timeline thing. Uh-huh. I thought Emerald Empress had killed the rest of the Legion and like, because the, oh, okay. the way they open the movie, it seems like they're on their last leg. Like yeah, these are the okay. last members, the last few fighting against her as she. And especially in. with the these animated movies always pushing hard for that, like, are always pushing for that, like, hard PG thirteen. In the, which this definitely does. Yeah, um, like give us that. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can kill a hero, especially heroes we don't know. That's totally fine. Yeah, it's fine. I'm just um, gonna miss them. Yeah, give us give us a reason that they are the most feared villains of the future. Yeah. And so it was such a big deal for them to capture Emerald Empress. And they needed I think if we had ten more minutes with them where we could just figure out the end game mm-hmm. um that wasn't just blowing up the sun. Yeah. Um, you know, what why can they not do anything on their own? Is she um is is she the mastermind? Uh, you know, kind of like, are they just the goons of this whole story? Mm-hmm. What happens to the lanterns when Emerald Empress takes the ba- the power ring? Because that's always such a I, big thing. I do want to talk about that specifically. Okay. Because they talk about the Green Lantern Corps being long gone by the time of the 31st century. Mm-hmm. They're aware of it. Yes. And yeah, Emerald Empress uses the, the Emerald Eye to absorb the master power battery, whatever you're going to call it, yes. on Oa. Is this movie implying that this is now the beginning of the end of the Green Lantern Corps? 
Uh, it could, yes, but no, because Jessica Cruz still has all her power. And I think that's what kind of confused me a little bit. Like, cause the, the Emerald eye, she sends it into the sun, yes, which basically makes it explode. And Starboy sacrifices that he, he falls into the sun and uses his, um, gravity manipulation. Gra- well, actually it's, it's mass and density manipulation, yeah, but yeah, but basically he's going to fall into the sun and keep the sun intact using his powers. Mm-hmm. Um, so Which it's is fucking awesome. It's great. It's a great, it's a really, really incredible moment. Um, it, it definitely feels like a moment that was written so that he had to make a sacrifice, but it, the sacrifice is and a true pronounced. sacrifice. Fuck you, Marvel. A goddamn true sacrifice. <laughs> Who are you saying doesn't make real sacrifices? Everyone. Um, wait, hang on. There must be someone who made a, a real sacrifice. Someone who stayed dead in the Marvel universe. Yeah, Coulson came back. Um, Liv Tyler's career. Oh, I love Liv Tyler, but you're not far off on that one. Okay, fine. Yeah, they, there have been genuine sacrifices. Hold on, hold on. There's someone. Someone has stayed dead. Quicksilver. Oh, yeah, I was going to say Yondu. Yondu and Quicksilver both stayed dead. Mm-hmm. We did it. Yeah. Uh, so far, they're still dead. So far, they're still dead. And uh, do we count? Do we count the collector? Did he, he didn't really make a sacrifice. He was just killed. Yeah. So that doesn't quite count. Someone else must have made a sacrifice at some point. Oh, Yinsen from Iron Man 1. The guy in oh, the, the yeah. cave. He makes a genuine oh, sacrifice yeah. from Yinsen. All right. Okay. Good old sweetheart Yinsen. But no, it, it's a real... 3 and 21. It's okay. a real sacrifice. But when when the eyeball goes into the sun, it never comes back out again. So it certainly implies that the energy that will, once was the power core of the Green Lantern uh, was expended. Mm-hmm. So does it recharge itself i mean i guess this is what i was trying to have a hard time following along with because you're right jessica still has all of her powers Mm -hmm. Um, and there's no discussion of the green lantern core falling apart now there's no like oh we now are all running on finite batteries usually when the battery uh empties they all even people that just charged lose their power yeah and that's what i was waiting for i wasn't expecting the ring to be cut off that's a great moment that's a really cool moment too yeah so when when jessica goes there she basically gives a a a condition green a a fake call sign Mm -hmm. or warning call sign that tells her that she's in distress so it's kilowog and i I tomare is that tomare tomare it's i mean it has to be because it's always those two but i don't think it is i went to look this up and didn't look like him it looked like somebody else tomare has like the fin yes this guy didn't have a fin he had like a, a different face yeah, head. but it's it's always those two. It's not it's not Tom And he Ray and does. he had the same uh like um voice pattern or dialogue pattern. Okay, I don't think it's Tomar Ray. Cameron okay. does. Maddie, clarify for us, please. Yes. We need your help. Mm-hmm. Again. I don't know who else it could be. It's always it's those an, it's two. It's another guy who looks it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But a killog is killed? Stabbed, stabbed through the Kilowog, heart. as for being, he's—I don't think he ever made it to Alpha Lantern status, um, but for being like the Lantern bodyguard, I don't think has ever defeated someone in a fight. Yeah, poor Kilowog's really kind of. I mean, I love him to death. Yeah, he's—he's—he's he's he's one I of love, my favorite Lanterns. I love that he was there. Yeah, I got um, so excited when I saw him. Yeah, I love they went to Oa, and yeah, like the the moment I wasn't expecting that was generally shocking for me was that uh, the Persuader uses his atomic axe to cut Jessica's ring apart. Yeah, um, and then she loses her powers, and then the the Fatal Five obviously escape, 
And I was like, oh my God, like is, I thought maybe the Kilowog was going to give her his ring, like something. Mm-hmm. What I wasn't expecting, what I loved was how they resolve it because. With the oath. With the oath. And there's that great moment when Can she's. Can you say the oath? Um, in brightest day and blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight, but those who worship evils might be where my power grew. Green Lantern's light. light. Oh, I See? love it so much. I'm a nerd too, Cameron. Can you do any other oaths? No. Like the other lantern? Yeah. No, I don't know. You knew orange. Orange is the easiest one. Fear me? Mine. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, now I can't. No, yellow is fear. Okay. And fearful. No, red is in fearful day and raging out with strong hearts full. Our souls ignite when all is. No, that's blue. Sorry. You, you went so fast that no one heard that, anyways. And fearful day and raging night with strong hearts full. Our souls ignite when all is lost in the war of light. Look to the stars where hope burns bright. Okay. I well, love there we that go. one. I wouldn't. I've I've never read Blackest Night, so I don't know the rest okay. of them. I've never looked them up either. Mm-hmm. But I love that in the the beginning when we we're first meeting Jessica, she goes to her therapist and she's like, "Oh, have you tried the mantra thing?" And I wrote it down because I thought it was. I get what they were trying to do. Um, every day in every way, I'm getting better and better. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "What a load of crap!" And look, I actually am a big believer in positive thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try and remind myself to see things in a positive light. It's a challenge sometimes. Well, what I really love because this was just like a lucky timing thing. Uh, that was like having like a, a therapeutic mantra was a big part of this week's Doom Patrol episode as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I, I still got to watch that show. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Elastigirl. Uh, Elastigirl. Has, yeah, she has she has a, a mantra she has to stay in order to stay oh, okay. uh, in her form. But so I, I that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch that fucking show. But I love. It just somehow just keeps getting better. That's what I keep hearing. So I yeah. really do need to do it. Maybe this week. Um, I say that every week. I mean, I will say episode one is very weird. That's fine. I like weird yeah, though. Yeah, but one once Cyborg comes in, I think it really jumps up. It really holds together. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I was saying is I love in that that therapy scene, you know, she asks if you try to mantra, it doesn't work for her. And so that at the end, Jessica's mantra becomes the Green Lantern core Yeah. Oath. It's it's a again, like that was Starboy Sacrifice, really emotionally impactful mm-hmm. moments. Because Green Lantern Green Lantern's story is so universal that you can like it fits every pretty much every scenario because it's it's you know the idea of a green lantern is it's not someone that's fearless it's someone who has the power to overcome fear yeah and that's such a fucking goddamn awesome thing no it is and like it goes to show that you know these are real stories written by real people trying to tell authentic aspects of humanity mm-hmm um, and I think that is something that all mediums, including comics, is getting really good about doing, about uh, diversifying their characters, not just in the literal sense. We keep in the damn microphone. We obviously see that here, um, you know, with Jessica being a more diverse lantern than we've seen before, but in terms of the personality types as well and what they're going through mm-hmm. and speaking to um, greater and more varied experiences than most people necessarily have and creating empathy points. And it's, it's really, really, really fantastic the way they incorporate all that stuff. And it's, it's just, it's really sincere and, and very sweet. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple other like random little things I want to talk about too. Okay, let's do it. Uh, so we talked a little bit about how this is darker. Like there's that camping sequence while Jessica's friends get shot. Um, it's, there's a lot more language in this too than there mm-hmm. is in the other stuff. And then it, there's that scene too where Superman gets his chest cut open, like bleeding out. Like they were definitely pushing that. Oh, PG-13. the one that the one that shocked me was 
first off, it made me very, not angry, but just like, fuck you guys kind of moment where um, Mr. Terrific and Mr. Terrific, Mr. Terrific is talking to either Superman or Batman. And they're like, they're going to the spaceship. Where is it? And he's like, oh, it's in a safe place. Uh, and they immediately break into it without like, it, it's breaking just, It's sweat. just a bunch of humans with guns. Like, yeah. There are definitely safer places to put this. So the, the moment of like, oh, wow, they did it was um, uh, Therok shoots the guard in the face. And then you see like the hole in the head bleeding out, like oh, burn yeah. marks around because it was a laser, like burn marks around the wound as, as they're walking by. It's intense. And I'm like, that was unnecessary. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I found it borderline a little bit gratuitous. In terms I think, of, in terms I of think language Bruce, violence. Yeah. Bruce Tim always has like those one, like one or two scenes where he's like, yeah, it's adult and it's gritty. Yeah. And, and he's I, like, yeah, we're going to show him with a hole in his head. I, I think, we're gonna show tits. We're gonna show tits everywhere. <laughs> Space. We're gonna, we're gonna slap Harley Quinn on the ass. Yeah. Um. I think when they were further restricted back on TV, it, it might have had a better impact. Like we talked about the really effectiveness of just a little bit of blood on Batman's uh, coming out of his mouth in on leather wings, and then mm-hmm. obviously the the violence in Mask of Phantasm is very effective in terms of storytelling, but never feels gratuitous. Here it yeah. did feel. Uh, a little bit. Gratuitous. Which I think is on par with the current state of DC animated films. That's absolutely true. Um, but like beyond that though, I thought there was a lot of like really fun things in there. Uh, I loved that the uh, Warner's animation opening had Daffy Duck. Yeah. Being a total loon. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought th- that's their new opening. Is that's, it? It's yeah. fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, it's been they... around for a year or so. Oh, okay. I just don't pay attention. Uh, I thought the fight sequences, the action in this was They're so re- good. Really, really good. Yeah. Like, incredibly well animated, really well choreographed, very clear. Um, I thought the, like the garage fight when they're in the parking garage was excellent. I love the scene where, uh, the fatal five attacks the javelin and like they slice it open and everyone kind of gets spread out. Like Batman like flies off and is using his cape as a glider. Mm -hmm. I loved when Batman was fighting, uh, mono. That was so good. And he like, he can't get touched. So it's like all about taking out his pressure points, Mm -hmm. which is really excellent. Obviously the Superman, uh, versus Validus fights great. Wonder Woman, that they, they, oh, they really show how she's just the best fighter. Yeah. Like, you cannot go toe-to-toe with Wonder Woman. She's incredible. Mm-hmm. I thought the fight sequences were incredible in it. Um, the music cues was one yes, of my big things. Yes, they, they, uh, they brought in the leitmotifs from Batman Animated Series, Superman Animated Series, and Justice League Unlimited. Yeah. In just the most perfect, like... Clear, but yet still not in your face ways. There was one, I want to talk about this one. There was one that felt so out of place. Which one? Uh, it's when they're trying to break into the facility. Um, it's Miss Martian, Batman, and Mr. Terrific. And she phases to the wall and opens the door. And they activate like the heroic music cue when it's just Mr. Terrific and Batman standing there. But we already knew they were standing there. <laughs> <laughs> We've and already I'm, seen them. Yeah, I was. I was waiting like, are they like, you know, going to fight someone? Is there going to be someone else there? Uh, no, it's it's the people we saw 15 <laughs> seconds ago Just right before that are this. still there. <laughs> like, not, they didn't move. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, I'm like, is that... like? Yeah, it's a great song, but that's... I think they missed that one. Yeah. And uh, I think the last note, like, major note I had was, shouldn't the Justice League know about the Legion because their own team went to the future back in JLU? It could have been before that. No, because like that's 
that ha- uh, I don't think so. I guess technically this could have been before that. I thought so when the, when they first opened the pod, um, Mono says Superman's name, and I thought they both recognized each other. Okay. Uh, but then you know, as the movie went on, I yeah. realized they didn't. Well, also any of the characters that went into the future aren't in this episode, but I feel like they would have done a debrief and being like yeah, there's a legion of superheroes like a thousand years in the future and they know us and they worship us and everything. Yeah. But Especially I, you, Superman. It's pretty, it's pretty much just you. Big fans of you, Superman. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I mean, what, what other like thoughts do you have on this? Uh, I had one very dumb joke okay. of uh, when they're flying we, to the facility. We've well established at this point there's no room for dumb jokes on this podcast. That's true. This no, it's not a dumb joke. It's a dumb moment. <laughs> it's when they're flying to the facility. Uh why is Superman wearing a seatbelt? Oh, I did love that, yeah. Yeah. And he's in the javelin. Seems, yeah, that seems a bit unnecessary. It seems a bit unnecessary for him to be in the javelin in the first place. Well, like, I get it, team bonding stuff. Um, yeah. Um, they're, they're playing, like, slug bug in yeah. the backseat. Superman's not on to play. <laughs> he accidentally dislocated Batman's shoulder the first yeah, time they too played. Too many HR complaints whenever Superman mm-hmm. plays. Oh no! It, actually, no. Batman never lets anyone else win. Oh, Batman that's true. gets all of them. <laughs> but that's because he strategically planted slug bugs. Yeah, along oh, yeah, the road. Sure. They're all being driven by Alfred. <laughs> yeah, he has a contingency plan for everything, including uh, road trip games. Yeah, they play the uh, the license plate game, and he has he has a car with every letter of the alphabet. <laughs> yeah, ready to go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I really love this. This and is so good. I mean, I watched it this morning. I really enjoyed it. I think talking about it more now, I think I love it even more now if we talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, really good. I, I think it's absolutely on par with like the, I'm not going to say the best of the DCAU because for me, the best of DCU is Mask of the Phantasm, which is the best Batman movie ever made. Yeah. By a substantial margin. But I'd say, I mean, I think it's up there with like Return of the Joker and the, like the really good episodes from BTOS and mm-hmm. the, Justice League and Justice League Limited. It's excellent. Yeah. I think this is um, this is shining a brighter light to the future of DC animation. Well, and... I know they don't hit it kind of ever with the new 52 stuff. No, they don't. But it's showing us that they still understand in some levels what they're doing. They still got it. Yeah. Um, and uh, Sam And more Lou. specifically, Bruce Timm still has it, if he well, wants Bruce, to. Bruce Timm, but also I do want to give credit to, uh, to Sam Liu, who's yeah. the producer director on this and he someone tweeted uh that he said that if this is successful they'll do more stuff like this i would love that and i think the world would love that yeah you know because there's been this this push to do like a a justice league reunion for a long time a lot of the stars have talked about it they're on board Mm -hmm. um this is not quite that it's not the whole justice league reuniting it's only a fraction of it's three sevenths of them yeah um I would love to see them do another one that actually brings everyone back together again. Do you have a, a story idea for that? I do not. Well, that. Just just the hope that it happens. Okay. Do you? I not yet. I just oh, thought okay. of the question. Give me give me five minutes. Nothing is something. Um, anything else you want to talk about this, or should we? Hot girl uh, is is losing her hair, but instead of her hair, it's her feathers, and they have to. <laughs> Hot girl is molting. Yes. <laughs> And they have to go to Thanagard to get her more feathers? Uh, just just to get uh, treatment. It's brilliant. Yeah. There I love go. it. Uh, There's love our next it. one. Uh, should we uh, jump into 
notes from friends and sure, do we have notes um not really no <laughs> great quick segment not, not really i mean uh kind of uh like i said we've been getting stuff from people in regards to uh, captain marvel which gotcha. we will do uh, did have uh, a note from Ashley Clark in regards to our episode last week with Vasilius. Oh, great. She said, I wanted to high five Vasilius because I feel the same way about the tone of Thor, about missing the kind of more medieval tone of Thor. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I was deliberately trolling all Jake or uh, J.R.L. Tolkien fans when I wrote up the, the copy for last week's episode, because I don't know if you know how I structure it. I do. I read them. That I always, you know, it's always like featuring something pithy and then plus and something unrelated to the topic at hand. Yeah. Mine last week was fuck the Hobbit. I, I saw. <laughs> Which I did deliberately to try and get a rise out of people and I got nothing. Yeah. I got nothing. My, my really blatant attempts at trolling did not work. Because Hobbit fans are too busy reading. <laughs> Too busy reading and nerds. being happy and enjoying life and ignoring obnoxious trolls like yeah, me. Yeah, just walking outside. So, but we don't really have anything. I was hoping we'd have some sort of drama out of that. We don't. Um, but what are your plugs this week? Uh, so we did, we're going to save this for another week, but we did get to see Shazam early. Yes. We, yeah. Cameron was uh, good enough to get us over to a, a preview screening, which anyone could have attended, but you just put the effort in. So thank you yes. for that. Uh, so we will not say a single word about that until then. No. Um, I got to see Dumbo. Yes, I, not, not really. I. Everyone got to see Dumbo. Yeah, I just chose to see it. You chose to see it. I'm leaving in 20 minutes literally to go see it myself. Yes, so I will hold off words on that since Chris has not seen it. But I will plug The Dirt, uh, the Motley Crue uh, oh, the movie Netflix on movie. Netflix, yeah, which is delightful. Is it? It's great. Does it feature Tommy Lee's massive penis? Uh, no. Shame. Mm-hmm. Go on. It's PG-13, I think. Well, I mean, it's Netflix, so they don't, they're not yeah. really bound by anything. That's true. Anywho. Um, they do have a, a very quick, like, three-minute scene with um, Lord of Darkness. Ozzy Osbourne. Osbourne. Which is fucking... Who like, plays Ozzy? I didn't recognize who it was. Oh, okay, it's probably some rando. Um, so I didn't know anything about Motley Crue beforehand. Uh, so it was mm-hmm. cool to go in with a complete blank slate. Uh, and even more fascinating when the movie, bef- with like, like 20 minutes left, I'm like... I wonder how many of these guys are dead. Surprisingly, none of them, which kind of blows my mind after watching yeah, a little this movie. Bit. Yeah. Shouldn't they all be dead? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> what a shame. Uh, but yeah, yeah what a, a shame. It, yeah, it's a great movie. <laughs> what a shame these rock legends are still alive. Yeah. Uh, it's a great movie. Highly recommend it. Uh, it's, it's just kind of, it's just, no, it's definitely R because there's, there's tits there everywhere in that There must be so film. much Coke in that yes. movie. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. There's so much of every drug in that movie. Yeah. The rock stars. Mm-hmm. They're giving them for free. Yeah. One of one of my favorite lines is something like, um, it's like, uh, people go crazy because they think that's the rock star way. Mm-hmm. Motley, Crue, Motley Crue went crazy because they're fucking crazy. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, but yeah. Great movie. Highly recommend it. Check All it out. Right. The Dirt. Writing yes. it down. Mm-hmm. What have you been watching, listening, reading? Uh, I want to plug a couple things from my very talented coworkers. Okay. Actually. Um, so one of them is uh, my friend India Komia. She has a podcast with her friend Lauren called We're Too Old For This. And it's them basically talking about like TV teen drama tropes. So the, the kind of spine of it is every week they're talking about what happened this week on Riverdale. 
Gotcha. Um, and can I go on and talk about that one trope that I hate so much with the necklace? Yes. Yes, you can. Yes, you absolutely can. Tro- for a quick reference, there's a trope that drives me fucking crazy that every movie has done at some point where it's the girl rips off her necklace from around her neck, uh, which doesn't work because those fucking straps are... They have clasps. Yes. So if it's easy enough to break off, then it's cheap. Or clearly you don't care enough that it might just fall apart. Yes. It doesn't take much longer to just take it off from around your head. I, I it's will, not as dramatic. I get it. I'll be sure to introduce you to India just so you can go on and talk about this yes. one specific thing. It drives me crazy. I know. I know it does. You, you were sending me a list of tropes. And when you got to that one, it was my favorite thing yeah. ever. Uh, but no, it's a fantastic podcast. I don't watch Riverdale anymore, although I used to. But like Same. not being a Riverdale avid viewer... I'm still very entertained by when they're talking about it. And they talk about other stuff too. Like they did an episode on uh, LGBT representation in teen shows. They were talking about like moms in teen shows, dads there. She's low key. One of the funniest people I know. Um, and her podcast is fantastic. So go check that out. It'll be down in the show notes. Uh, it's called we're too old for this. Gotcha. Uh, and then the other thing I want to plug is our other coworker, Gabriella Lagarda just released her EP on Spotify. Oh, and Gabby, so she's one of the hardest working people I know, incredibly sweet, also incredibly talented too. She's legitimately a really, really fantastic singer. I adore her. She's amazing. Uh, Her EP is called Soldier, S-O-U-L-D-I-E-R, and it's up on Spotify. And again, I'll be down in the show notes, but uh, go listen to it. Right now, it's part of my, uh, my Write Meow active rotation of stuff I'm listening to, and she's just incredible. Gotcha. So yeah, check it out. Some really talented people. Go check out their stuff. They're awesome. So, uh, but yeah, all that will be down in the show notes. But for us, uh, if you want to reach out to us, uh, if you have thoughts on Just League versus the Fatal Five, uh, you can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Uh, I also want to point out that uh, our fellow DCAU friends, so the Watchtower Database, uh, World's Finest, and the DCAU Review, I'll put links to all their social media in the show notes as well. They're doing far more thorough uh, and enjoyable content about this movie than we are. Definitely go check out their stuff because they're all awesome people and they were super, super excited about this. Um, but yeah, so shout out to them as well. Uh, and then uh, if you want to find me, I am at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me, if you want to see my art, you can find that at Cameron.Dexter. I'm going to be posting a lot more stuff leading up to my future trip. Uh, and if you want to see my face, you can find that at Dexter underscore adventures. Yeah. Which you will see more of at least in two weeks because that's when Dapper Day is. Oh my God, that's right. Yeah. I got to figure something out for that. Mm -hmm. Anywho. Anywho. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.